You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. France might go on the offensive against ransomware. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot cyber. In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration, Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire. Attackers, the UK's NCSC has been helping an unnamed nuclear power company recover from cyber attack. A failed cyber attack targeted the Ohio Secretary of State's website on Election Day. Mixcloud confirms a data breach. The imminent monitor rat is shut down by law enforcement. And a cryptocurrency exchange loses nearly $50 million. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, December 2nd, 2019. France's National Cyber Authority, ANSI, the National Agency for Information System Security, hasn't ruled out neutralizing the threat actors responsible for the November 15th ransomware attack on a major Raoun medical center, Bloomberg reports. 
ANSI has authorities and capabilities regular law enforcement agencies lack, and ANSI is rumbling that it may be ready to use them. The attack on the University Medical Center in Raoun has been widely attributed to the Russian criminal gang TA-505. In another ransomware incident that's hit European targets, the Dutch Broadcast Foundation says it's obtained a confidential report from the Netherlands National Cybersecurity Center, the NCSC, that warns of a ransomware campaign which has targeted more than 1,800 companies since July of 2018. The campaign deploys the Locker Goga, Ryuk, and Megacortex strains of ransomware, and many of the attacks use shared infrastructure. The NCSC believes several sophisticated criminal groups are behind the campaign and that they're working together to carry out different stages of the attacks. An international law enforcement operation led by the Australian Federal Police resulted in the arrests of 13 users of the Imminent Monitor Remote Access Trojan, Europol announced. Imminent Monitor was cheap, easy to use, and effective, which made it an extremely popular criminal tool. Imminent Monitor's website was also taken down, and the malware's nearly 15,000 buyers have lost access to licensed versions of the Trojan. Bravo to the Australian Federal Police and their colleagues in Europol. The Telegraph reports that the UK's National Cybersecurity Centre has been discreetly assisting a nuclear power company with its recovery from a cyber attack it sustained earlier this year. The nature of the attack is unknown, as is the identity of the targeted company. A nuclear decommissioning authority report obtained by the Telegraph simply referred to the victim as an important business in the nuclear power generating sector. Beyond that, little is publicly known. In the first legally required correction notice of its kind, Facebook has labeled a user's post with Facebook is legally required to tell you that the Singapore government says this post has false information, so says Reuters. The notice is visible only to users in Singapore itself, and it amounts to an official assertion appended to the content, not to deletion or further modification of the content itself. Singapore's law was prompted by concerns about fake news and the potential threat it poses to civil society and democratic processes. Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose said a Russian-owned firm attempted to carry out an SQL injection attack against his office's website on November 5th, Election Day. The attack was thwarted by the state's network security system. LaRose told the Columbus Dispatch that while the attempt was unsophisticated, attackers often use unsophisticated techniques to identify vulnerabilities. The Russian-owned firm that allegedly tried the SQL injection attack was unnamed and, of course, the attribution and allegation should be treated with open-minded circumspection. Mixcloud, the widely used music streaming service, confirmed over the weekend that it had been breached, with information on some 21 million users apparently for sale on the dark web. ZDNet reports that the data includes usernames, email addresses, hashed password strings, users' country of origin, registration dates, last login dates, and IP addresses. Mixcloud emphasizes in its disclosures that it does not store full pay card information, The company added that while passwords were encrypted with salted hashes, users might want to change their passwords, just in case. The Chinese government now requires people in the country to have their faces scanned when they sign up for mobile phone plans, the BBC reports. Previously, mobile customers needed to show ID and have their photos taken when they purchased a SIM card. 
China's Ministry of Industry and Information Technology says facial recognition will now be used to match people's faces with their identification documents. South Korean cryptocurrency exchange Upbit says hackers stole $48.5 million worth of Ethereum from its Upbeat Ethereum hot wallet, ZDNet reports. Upbit's owners say the exchange will cover the losses. ZDNet notes that the circumstances of the theft have led some observers to speculate that the hack may actually be part of an exit scam, but so far there's no evidence to suggest that this was the case. And finally, much advice is circulating about the threats lurking in holiday shopping. USA Today offers a rogues gallery of potentially backdoored consumer electronics, and ESET reviews safety advice for online shoppers. Be wary of gift cards and special offers received by email. Electronic greeting cards are also being used as malware vectors. Bleeping Computer describes one ongoing Thanksgiving-themed campaign. And Grinch bots are said by NBC News to be scalping the best online deals. It's an international problem. Computing says that about 7,000 victims of Cyber Monday credit card fraud are expected in the UK alone. So, if shop you must, shop safely. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute, also my co-host on the Hacking Humans podcast. Joe, great to have you back. Hi, Dave. Uh, I want to have a conversation with you today about victim blaming. Victim blaming. And I have to say I don't have a complete conclusion on this, but it's something I've been thinking about. We're coming back from a holiday weekend, and this is something that crossed my mind while we were away and I just wanted to get your take on it. So let me, let's walk down this together. Here's, okay. here's where my line of thinking went. Uh, let's say I put a lock on the front door of my house. Right. I have a regular lock and I have a deadbolt. Mm-hmm. And these are unlocked with, with keys and so on and so forth. So my house is locked up. Yep. Someone comes along and picks those locks. Right. And they break into my house and they steal things. Yes. My fault? No. No, I don't think that's your fault. Because? Because somebody has made a conscious effort to... Get around the locks that you installed to keep uh, keep people out. But I didn't put more locks on my doors, Joe. Right, and you didn't I... put, like, really good, hard-to-pick locks on your doors. Exactly, right? yeah. exactly. Yeah, this is, yeah, I understand what you're saying with victim See where blaming. I'm going with this? Right, <laughs> yeah. So I, the, I guess the in my mind, I've, put a, I've done, gone to a reasonable degree of, uh, of security right. to secure my home, my family, my, my personal effects, and so on. Correct. And, and you've, done, you've, you've followed the advised protocol. You should have a deadbolt lock on your door. Yep. Best right? practices. Best practices. Exactly. I'm probably not going to run, in, run into any issues with my uh, insurance company. Nope. Because they're, they're going to ask me, did you have locks on the door? I'm going to say, yeah, I did. There they are right there. You can look and at them. And they're going to say, were they locked? And they, I'll say, yes. Yes, they were locked. Extending that to security, right? I wonder because it's very easy. I think when when a breach happens, uh-huh. there's a lot of dogpiling. There is, and as you and I talk about on hacking humans a lot, that we need to have empathy for the people who have fallen victim to these things. That's correct. Yes, but the, I guess the big question is, particularly when we're talking about large organizations, is right. At what point have they put in a reasonable amount of security how do we judge that what's what's the standard for that and who says that is it the, is it the insurance company who sets those standards yeah what's your take that, that that's an excellent question actually um you know like when target got breached mm-hmm. uh 
one of the things that everybody hounded on was that they didn't have a CISO. Hmm. They didn't have someone in the position of chief information security officer. Mm-hmm. I don't want to victim blame, but when somebody doesn't have the basic best practices up, right? Like, for example, in the in the in the example, the physical example you gave earlier, if you did not have a deadbolt on your on your front door, mm-hmm. and somebody just used a credit card to open your door, that would still be a breaking and entering, and still be a burglary, yeah. right? Yeah. But there would have been something you could have done to prevent that, right? Right. And having somebody with a uh, with a with a high level security mindset may have helped pr- target prevent that breach. I'm not saying it would have helped target prevent that breach, but it may have helped them. Prevent. Well, and I also wonder, you know, what if my house was in a very bad neighborhood? Right. And so the best practice there might be to have more than one lock. To have more than one lock, right? You you have to you have to do it. You have to do the risk assessment. Right? And is the internet? A bad neighborhood. The internet is a terrible neighborhood. <laughs> right, right. So <laughs> it's awful, Dave. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst. It's right. the worst. Right. So I think you, what you're nailing is that it's 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 a risk assessment. There's no, nothing is 100 percent secure. It's Correct. impossible. Correct. And so as an organization, the people who are in charge of making these decisions, how are we going to spend our money on security? They have to make a risk assessment. They do, and they have to they have to deal with finite a finite level of funds. Mm-hmm. They don't have unlimited money. And I guess part of what I'm I'm wondering about is is this impulse that I think a lot of folks have to kind of dogpile and to point out everything that an organization did wrong. Right. Uh, you know, if your neighbor's house got broken into, don't be that guy who goes down and says, well, why didn't you have two deadbolts? Right. You know, like <laughs> that would have made it a lot harder for them to pick your deadbolt. Right. Right. See where I'm going with this? Yeah, I do. I do. It's a good point too. Yeah. It's, it's, but you know, some, sometimes these things are, are, uh, are just so egregious. You can't help but blame them for, for some things. You know, but there, also there's the situation where I guess if I had a, uh, and I was stretching this metaphor to its breaking point. But right. If I had a deadbolt and a lock, but I kept the key under the front mat. Right. right? Yeah. That's <laughs> you know, a good. That's like, a good analogy. Right. Like that's you know that's like storing your passwords in in plain text. Right. On or, a post-it or, on a, note. Yeah. Right. Right. Right by your computer. Right. Or, right. or reusing a password actually. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's a lot like that. If somebody gets breached because they're reusing passwords, even a regular person, I say that you know the reason you got breached was because you reuse passwords. Mm-hmm. You know the reason you got hacked and owned. Is because you, your password for your your email account is the same as your Facebook account and the same as your Amazon account. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Somebody ordered something on your Amazon account. It verified it through your email, and that's why we tell you don't reuse passwords. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think at some point in time you have to say to the user or to the to the victim of these crimes, you bear a certain amount of responsibility mm-hmm. in protecting yourself, particularly on the internet, because as you said, it's a very bad neighborhood. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for uh, puzzling through it with me. Uh, I I knew we'd uh, have a very interesting conversation about it. Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure, Dave. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. 
Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.